This is Pitch Deck Asia. We are in the Asia Tech Podcast Studio. My name is Graham Brown. I am joined by Ian Lowe. Mm-hmm. Ian, welcome. Thanks. Nice to be here. It's an awesome setup. Thank you. <laughs> it's good to have you here. We're going to talk about travel, mm-hmm. hospitality, travel, all of that. Mm-hmm. So... Um, Maybe we can start at the top. We're going to we're gonna have a look at your pitch deck, mm-hmm. walk through the pitch deck, look at the journey that you've been on, look at the problem that you're solving, the solutions that you have, your hypothesis mm-hmm. and so on about what's going on in the, the hospitality space. Um, a little bit about your background, mm. Ian, first. You're born and bred in Singapore. Yep. Born and raised. Um, was studying in NUS in Singapore. Yeah. Um, started my first company actually in six years ago. Right. Uh, educa- education tech space. Yeah. You're a bit of a teacher, aren't you? So, uh, I mean, uh, teaching like teaching entrepreneurship and yeah, so on. Yeah, pretty much. We wanted to kind of expose youth to startups yeah. and entrepreneurship. Um, I think that was what we felt was lacking then. Yeah. Um, then being an Asian, I need to make good use of my degree. Yeah. So what I was went your degree? Um, finance in, in NUS business. Uh-huh. So I went to the investment side for a while, did venture capital for a year in Beijing. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. It, that was a good experience. Yeah, yeah, it was really exciting. Which fund were you with? In? Um, it's actually a Singapore-based fund yeah. uh, under Quest. So mm-hmm. yeah, we, we were kind of managing Singapore portfolios and then trying to help them to, to kind of leverage in, into the China yeah. space. Um, That's a good experience in terms of looking at the different paces of venture capital maybe yeah, like in Beijing especially in <laughs> Beijing right? yeah, was so that a bit of an eye-opener for you for sure I think the, the startups there are much more hungry yeah um, but it, it gives me the opportunity to sit on the other side of the table as well Good. see kind of what, what they're looking for what VCs are uh, kind of it's important to them yeah. yeah I was in Shanghai and I spent some time recently at China Accelerator oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was on a national holiday they're huge yeah and that's great and so you know met William Balbean and yes. all the team there and um some of the, the they have a lot of advisors and yep. part of the community there. Mm. It was a national holiday, and um, the place was full, <laughs> right? And yep. there were startups everywhere, yeah. and everybody was like just grinding away, hustling yeah. Yeah. on a day off when the rest of the world was taking a day off, right? <laughs> yeah. So it was a great experience. I mean, great that you went to Beijing and saw how they do it there mm. and that sort of hunger because it's all sometimes a challenge here, isn't it? Yep. In Singapore, lots yeah. of safe jobs in finance, for example. I, I think that's even for all of us, like the opportunity cost is really high to, yeah. to start a startup. So I, I think that was why we wanted to kind of expose youth for my first startup mm. to, to startups and entrepreneurship. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Opportunity cost. Yes. You know, you're risking huge. a lot. You're risking your pension, your CPF. And, <laughs> All of that. <laughs> yep. So why why did you choose to become an entrepreneur? Just out of interest, if wow. you know you know the opportunity. It, you yeah. took finance. You could have gone into yeah. banking. You could have gone into financial services, mm-hmm. insurance, fintech, even maybe on yeah. the, you know, inside a, a large bank. Mm. You could have done all the innovation there. Why did you choose then to become an entrepreneur yourself? I, I think I ask my question like ask the yeah. question to myself every day. Um, I'm I'm actually gonna give a guest lecture in NUS tomorrow as well. So like, my general advice is don't start a startup. <laughs> so right, yeah. So I being contrarian, right? Yeah, I like that. but I think if if the passion or the 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 need for you to start this business is strong enough to push mm. you forward, in terms of giving up your five six thousand dollars a month salary and kind of eat Maggie noodles, instant noodles every day, kind of stuff. Um. For me, for me, it's really about, about impact. Wanted to kind of make a difference. Um, I found investments and even venture capital really challenging and I loved it. Um, but I think 
on that side, I, I feel like I wasn't contributing as much as I would love to. I was yeah. managing portfolios. I was helping other people achieve their goals, help rich individuals earn more money. But I felt like I wasn't kind of contributing to making innovation and change. Mm. Yeah, So that was more like a personal kind of need. I something guess. meaningful. Yeah, something meaningful. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Where does that start? I'm always curious when I sit with entrepreneurs. I'm an mm. entrepreneur myself. Mm-hmm. And- 20 plus years I haven't <laughs> I had a proper job tell. yeah <laughs> come on so where does that start that you have that sort of entrepreneurial vibe in your blood mm. you know and you want to make something you know mm. maybe you what were you when you were younger were you a programmer were you a maker of stuff were you a hustler what kind of entrepreneur were you yeah I, I think we never kind of knew that it is entrepreneurship we were doing yeah, small businesses we were trying to make money um, it was just kind of interest and like even like when I was really young, so I was like five or six, uh, we would take, like my parents would bring me to the park and I would take my secondhand kind of toys to sell it. Right, at yeah. five? Yeah, so like, you know, they, they just say like, oh, you want new toys and you don't want your old toys anymore, yeah. try to do it. Now, now there's carousel, right? Right. But in the past, there you wasn't. You were a carousel. Back then, right? <laughs> yeah, so I was my own carousel, but yeah, kids would walk by and then I would just go like, oh, you know, they would say like 50 cents and then right. like, it was a lot of money to me. Obviously, yeah. not the cost of the toy. So, <laughs> yeah, right. but it was just that, that interest to kind of do like, if, if you watch like army kind of shows in Singapore, there's always this Lobang King. Yeah, I was kind of dead in, in army as well. Yeah, so what I, was that? Explain. So Lobang King is like the guy that always has all the goods to sell. Ah, uh, the yeah, hustler. Yeah, 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 he's a bit of a. He's got a bit of on the make yeah, always, right? Yeah. So like you you have things and then you you just bought this from the army market and then uh, like, you know, everybody looks at it and is like oh that looks really good and then you just like oh I can buy it for you. Yeah. Yeah. You know then you just do a mock up. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You just do a mock up, you know, right. kind of stuff. Yeah. But that was kind of the things that have been doing. Yeah. Um. So my first kind of stint uh, uh, exposure to startups was a gaming console rental company mm. I started when I was kind of in the army so we bought we we kind of rented it out and are now, you allowed to talk about this on air are you allowed to have a job whilst you're in the army well that's a good question <laughs> <laughs> so I call it a project <laughs> so, okay, yeah, a project, but, yeah. yeah it, was, it was just mainly to get a Wii like to yeah. get a, the, the Wii at the time right so it was not to scale and I think once I got exposed to startups and entrepreneurship I was like shit, this yeah. is what I want to do. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and and that was why we did kind of expose more, more kids to it. But yeah. education, truth be told, is not my cup of tea. So mm. I'm not big on education. Well, formal education, you mean? Yeah, but even like the training, the yeah. teaching. So you, when you said that I'm a teacher, I'm like, hmm, maybe not. But like... Well, there's different ways of teaching, isn't there? There's, yeah, there's teaching sure. somebody in a class and then teaching them through example and yes. like mentoring. Yes. And I, I imagine like going back to yourself as you were a kid, I imagine five five years old in the park, <laughs> your parents said to you, look, you know, Ian, if you want new toys, you have to sell the old ones. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So in a way, they taught you a lesson mm. quite early on. Yeah, that, yeah. You know, this, this, this is not, there's not an unlimited pipeline of toys coming into this yeah, household that yeah. has a value. And that, that taught you to sell mm. and taught you the value of selling, which is still with you today, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really glad that that kind of brought it brought about when I was yeah. much younger. That's a great lesson. Yeah, yeah. Parenting is the next thing I would want to go into. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the hardest startup yeah, of all. Yeah. Right? When I'm a parent myself, so yeah. yeah. Oh, well, to be continued. Let, <laughs> let, let's let's dive into travel. Yep. Okay. So mm. we can understand this is your startup mm. right now. Mm. If we can have a look at the um, pitch deck, maybe mm. we can start that. I want to start before we sort of look at what the um, solution is. If we could dive right to the end of your pitch deck, because I mm. think it's important to 
show the money show the off money. the top of the bat, off the bat, <laughs> right? You know, yep. um, the market, we're talking about global tourism. We're talking yeah. about um, hospitality. Yep. The market opportunity first. So what are we talking about here? We're talking about Asia, the Asian travel market, mm. the Asian hospitality market. How do you define your market? So so I think just based off this slide alone, it doesn't say entirely everything. Um, but Singapore itself is already huge in terms of tourism. We're yeah. the top 10 cities of the world. And we actually went into Tokyo um, about late last year. Okay. So we actually have two um, Japanese investors that invested in our company as well okay. to help us enter the market. But our main focus was to kind of penetrate the market before the Olympic Games to help right. English-speaking travelers, right? So I think the market is huge and especially in Asia where English-speaking um, stuff might be expensive, costly, yeah. difficult to find. Um, so what we were trying to do is to help these companies or business um, uh, travel-related companies to serve their guests better. Yeah. And from there, how can we then leverage them to kind of use additional services? So you see um, Kluk, you see KK Day, yeah. you see all these travel-related companies. A lot of money goes into marketing. A lot of uh, money goes into like selling the, the tickets and customer acquisition. For us, what we're trying to focus on is to focus on the B2B business mm. and then to help them serve their guests. So right. I don't need to engage my own customers in that sense. Okay, good. Well, mm. let, let's start with the problem then. If we jump back from... So if you're following along on the podcast, we yep. just had a look at the... The value of the market was eight trillion, wasn't it? For the was eight. That's huge, yeah. So, so I think travel itself right. as a global market is eight trillion dollars. Yeah. Um, and I, it's been said that eighty percent of these companies would want a chatbot. I think automation is key, right. right? now in this day and age. Okay. So yeah. All right, and the problem with all of that is what? It's a huge problem. So I have so many points on it. I don't yeah. even know where to focus on it. But, but you, you've mentioned one, which is speaking English and like yes, Japan so, as an example, right? So language is a barrier. Yeah. And that's for sure. Um, the lack of knowledge and, and information. So we use different platforms here. We mm. use, say, Grab and Uber is not available now. But different countries use different platforms. Um, so the market is really fragmented. Mm. So if I go to Japan now, I have to use Nippon Taxi. I can use Google Maps. I can use the subway platforms. Food recommendations, they don't have hungry go mm. where. So every different kind of platforms in different countries are very unique. And that's what we want to try to help the breach. Right. Yeah. And I, obviously, the manpower cost is high, especially with the language barrier. Okay. Yeah. Without preempting your solution, mm -hmm. um, what I would like in this situation as a traveler mm -hmm. is if I was to go to these countries, I would like an, an assistant, mm -hmm. right? An assistant that runs around with me and yep. translates everything as I yep. go. Yep. Obviously, that's an expensive solution, mm -hmm. not particularly logistically doable. Yeah. I think if you're a crazy rich Asian, that would yeah, be fine. Yeah, okay, crazy rich Asian <laughs> and I had a private jet. <laughs> yeah. That's all cool. You have a personal concierge beside you. Yeah, yeah. I think that, that is a solution, Um, but that's not available or affordable to most right. people. So where are we going with this? How do we solve the problem of a fragmented travel market? What do we do? What's your, let me start, what's your hypothesis with that first, without getting to the solution first? What, mm -hmm. what is your idea about how to go and solve the travel market that other people aren't approaching? So, so I think for, for us, um, we, what, we, what we feel was be, will be very important for travelers mm. is to be able to get information quickly and fast and accurate and to be able to get it from a reliable source. And generally, those reliable sources are the people that they engage with, mm -hmm. being their hotels or the airlines. So they trust these people. And the thing about this is that this, these companies are then not doing as much as they can to fully engage their guests. Right. Yeah, because there are so many things that they do know that the guests would not. 
Right. Yeah, but because of the cost, because of manpower needs, because of uh, all this kind of additional cost that is borne by the travel business, that they were not able to kind of give that kind of 100% crazy rich Asian person to follow yeah. you. Yeah, right, exactly. So what is the solution there? We're going to have a look at the the pitch deck again. We'll dive yep. into the solution page. Yep. So tell me what we're looking at here. It says seamless chat-based guest engagement. Yeah, so that's kind of what we're trying to do for a B2B business. We are trying to help travel businesses build a seamless chat-based guest engagement platform. Mm. Um, they're able to kind of use chatbots to help answer the repetitive and menial questions that they get every day mm. from every traveler. Um, and then what we want to do is to kind of train this and for the agents to be able to answer the questions all on our platform. So you can right. have Facebook, you can have your website, you can have email, you can have multiple channels of contact us, but all of it to go through our system. First layer to try the chatbots to try to answer the questions. If that's not possible, then we can push it to your agent and it all is managed on one right. platform. So let's say I'm a hotel in mm. Akasaka in Tokyo, right? yep. as an example. Yep. Um, it's sort of a businessy type area of Tokyo, mm -hmm. so there may not be. I mean, it, you know, what tends to happen is if you're a traveler going to Tokyo, you end up in, you know, you end up in all different kinds of places, yep. right, in Tokyo, because there isn't one place which says this is the center of Tokyo, because <laughs> yep. it is huge, right? Yeah. So let's say I end up in Akasaka. Mm -hmm. What, um, you know, and I have a hotel there, and I have Chinese tourists, and I have mm -hmm. lots of tourists from um, Southeast Asia now. Yep. Um, and English-speaking tourists, so mm -hmm. I'm getting all kinds. And now, I mean, for example, Tokyo, obviously tourism is increasing rapidly. Yep. And there's a big push, isn't there? I mean, in the run-up to the Olympics, but mm -hmm. there's a big push in Japanese inbound tourism. Mm -hmm. What would I firstly, you know, where do I start with this? I mean, where's your solution for me? Mm. You know, let's say a big portion of my um, hotel business is now foreign, mm, right? Mm. And actually, I've noticed something as well. I don't know if you noticed it because, um, you know, I used to live in Japan and oh. I've noticed that there is a large number of what used to be love hotels yep. now becoming foreign tourist hotels, right? Yep. Because yep. now they can make a lot more money out of tourists than they can get out of love hotel <laughs> customers, right? Yeah, other than the weekends, but yeah. Yeah, the weekends. Right? Maybe, <laughs> I don't know if they can convert it over, right? Yeah. So there's a huge demand, right? I mean, because love hotel business is very profitable, yep. but now foreign tourists are coming in. So what mm. do I need? Where do I start with this? Yeah, so I think what we're trying to do is make it simple for them. Um, all they need to go is to go onto our platform, answer the same repetitive 30, 40 questions mm. that they get every day. And once they answer that, it the bot just gets live on their platform. Right. So they get to change it, they get to edit it, they get to add more questions or answers to that. But what we want to do was just to make it so simple for them that they don't even have to manage it. And once they have it on their Facebook, their website, they can easily manage all queries on our platform. Right, so yeah. will the, it's a bot effectively. Yes. And then will it interface with all those different platforms? It'll be able to interface with Facebook and it'll be able to you know, talk to you through email and so on? Yeah. So we will we will interface with multiple platforms that yeah. they are holding. Um, unfortunately, WhatsApp is not available yet for bots. Yeah. Um, but the more the more channels, the, the more they kind of safe in terms of mount, managing multiple channels. But I think the, the beauty of it is that we're not just helping this one hotel answer your questions. Mm. If one hotel puts in all these FAQs, 10 hotels do that the same. Right. And attractions do that as well. Tour operators do that as well. What we have is a whole ecosystem of FAQs. Right. Okay. So there'll be like commonly shared questions, like for example, what times is the train station shut? Yes. The nearest one, right? Yeah. So we integrate with local platforms as well. If you want to call a taxi, this mm. is the taxi company that they use here. So all you need to do is tell me where's your start point, where's your end point, 
what time you need it, how many people. Right. And I can send you a cab. Yeah. Right? So I think I think there are a lot of common um, platforms that these hotels and attractions can share. And more than that, if I'm staying at this hotel at Akasaka, for example, I'm going to do Tokyo Sky Tree. Mm-hmm. If Tokyo Sky Tree is also one of our customers, all the FAQs are in our system. And you ask about ticket prices. You ask about opening hours. All this we can pull from our, our database. Right. So a part of that obviously is natural language processing, right? Because yep. you're able to deal with questions and work out what the mm-hmm. hell they're actually asking you. Yep. And there's also a part which is to do with how much of that information is specific to that attraction and how much is generic to yep. the so how do you deal with that because there may be questions that people are asking which are specific to a restaurant mm. and there may be a question which is specific to an area yep. so which is not really a natural language type question it's more of about categorizing everything so how yep. does all that sort of fall into right. place you definitely know your stuff yeah, well, I share a secret. For those of you that listen, I, I graduated in artificial intelligence. Nice. In, 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 wait for it, 1995. Well, it's not that far from my CTO. So, oh, my, my CTO, yeah. There you go. So, maybe we both programmed still on young, then, 16 megabyte computers, right? <laughs> All right, over to you. Yeah, so so I think I think in terms of the NLP side of things, um, it is very difficult. So, we do, we do kind of leverage on existing platforms because obviously the big boys have that technology that we right. not necessarily have. But how we kind of push the information to the specific generic categories that you were talking about. So if say if it's very, very kind of hotel specific uh, or very attraction specific, um, if you're landing on a pitch, you don't want to get access to all the other hotels FAQ. Yeah. Right. So how we segregate that. And then other than that, other than your own internal property FAQs, we also separate a, a country or city FAQ. So how we understand that first, we have to push it down a layer to either specific um, property or generic country. And then from there, we kind of mm. break that down into multiple categories. Right. So it is not proprietary in terms of the NLP itself, which is, I think it's great because the big boys definitely have the resources to do yeah. that. But how we kind of flow that questions down, that, that intelligence. Yeah. yeah. So that's proprietary to us. How does that compare to, let's say, a TripAdvisor? Mm. So, I mean, if I was typing in those questions, mm-hmm. uh, they're going to come up on Google, right? Yep. TripAdvisor is going to be on that page one. Mm. You know, like, how do I get from Akazaka to Skytree, for example? Mm. That's the kind of thing people are going to ask. Can I walk? You know, can yep. I get a taxi? And then TripAdvisor comes up with the the page because SEO is pretty good. Yep. But generally, um, obviously, I don't want to knock on TripAdvisor, but I find it quite difficult to get answers from that yep. website because I have to go through like 12 pages <laughs> of like answers and comments. And then it's like at the end, this thread is closed, right? And it yeah. was updated four years ago. So <laughs> how does it, I mean, that's sort of traditional way of doing it, yep. isn't it? I mean, how is this an improvement on that in terms of the actual results? So, so I mean, exactly what we were trying to say, we are not B2C, we are B2B. So we are B2B2C in terms of like, um, a guest will never find us on Google, or at least right. I, I don't I don't expect so. So if they find, say, they search that on Google, what we're hoping is that they will ask the same question to the hotels, right. to the, the attractions, the places that they trust. So it's not TripAdvisor per se. They go to their hotel's Facebook and say, how do I get from the hotel to Tokyo Skytree? So everything's message-based as opposed to like storing the content somewhere in public. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Okay, let's have a look at the model, if we may. If we can jump back into the, the pitch deck. Yeah. Because um, you've alluded to the technology and how it works. Let's have a look at actually how you're making money out of this. So mm-hmm. um, I think it's business model, yeah. there we go. So where is the money in all of this? 
oh, where is the money? Yeah, and that's exactly. always the that, question. That is the question <laughs> everybody <laughs> wants to know. So right? I think, yeah, um, for us, what we started off was implementation. So we charge a cost to bigger kind of bodies, like mm. um, hotel groups, five-star hotel groups, um, ferry company that we just integrated with. So we charge them a high customization cost. And that actually kind of helped us to build the technology for it. Mm-hmm. So we actually use that to build the technology. And now that we have a more stable technology, we are trying to build this self-onboarding platform where the subscription model comes in. So the smaller hostels, the small attractions, your, your small museum of oddities or something, they can actually just do a self-onboarding right. and okay. they manage it themselves. Um, so the big companies would probably still want that service, they still want that kind of support, and that's where we come in. Um, eventually where we are going down is that B2B2C market. Mm. So if you come onto, say, the hotel's platform, which is a small hostel, they're not paying us much. They're paying us like $100 a month. Um, What they do is then they ask about, how do I go to Tokyo Sky Tree? And we give them the directions and then we prompt them to ask if you want to buy tickets. And because we can get tickets cheaper, because say if Tokyo Sky Tree is one of our customers, then we profit share with the hostel. Yeah. And I imagine as well, even though, so what you're saying is that even a low entry, low cost um, and low margin, Mm -hmm. small hotel, for example, um, may not yield a lot of revenues for immediately. There's a lot of cross-selling opportunities there as well. But they're also adding to the the sort of net, you know, pool of knowledge, aren't they? So they're also contributing content. So the more of those that you have the better. Yep. Right? That's, that's for Is sure. that how it works? So, uh, so I think if you see it the same way as say, um, so Zopim got acquired yeah. by Zendesk. Zopim is pretty much a live chat is, as well without the bots, without the, uh, they, they are starting with some bots. Um, but what it is, is just a, a subscription, mm. like $100 a month. And we are kind of going down that same path. But more than $100 a month, these companies are coming in with content, like yeah. you're saying, services, their tickets at a cheaper price. So I think that's something that we are trying to build in terms of the ecosystem. Would you ever offer up for free in any circumstances? That If, if given the right funding and we right. have enough okay. to scale. There you go. <laughs> All right, well, let's talk about that as well. Let's talk yeah. about your journey. If we jump back into the pitch deck, we're talking about how far you've come now. Uh-huh. So we have this um, graphic here from where we are. So you launched in May 2018. Yes. Okay. So um, we're actually pretty... New. So we actually, um, in corporation-wise, we started in 2017. Yeah. But I think what the f- most of the first year, we were focusing on the technology. Mm. And we were actually going down the B2C path. So we actually pivoted quite a bit. The B2C path was, um, monetization was tough. Yeah. Um, I think, obviously, getting to the top of SEO for, for Google was, was definitely possible. You were being like, trying to be like a trip advisor, but a bit Pretty more much, but just a concierge yeah. of okay. sorts. Yeah. yeah, so, but that wasn't wasted, I think, because that kind of built the city information. So that kind of built right. that initial base of technology, initial base of content. And from there, we started doing more sales in the in mm. the B2B side. Right. So you've been focusing on B2B since May. Yes. Okay. Mm. And your journey so far, I know you've mapped it out here. Obviously, you've targeted um, Tokyo. Yeah. And we're based here in Singapore, obviously. Yep. Um are you, your team is, is all based here in Singapore? So we have the core team based here in Singapore yeah. and then we have developers offshore as well. So we yeah. have developers in Vietnam, we have designers uh, overseas as well, but right. our core team is here. Right. So I'm looking at your team here on the yeah. bench that you've got six of you. Is that the team here at the core team? Yes. And then we have two based in Japan. Two based in Japan. Yeah, and what so are they doing? Like sort of sales type? Mostly roles? just sales and business yeah, development. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Let's talk about the fundraise. Mm-hmm. So... How have you funded yourself until now? 
So we have um, gotten some convertible notes from a Japanese MNC and, a, yeah. and an Indonesian telco infrastructure company. So those two kind of tied us through the initial stages with a lot of support from the, the Singapore government. So mm-hmm. the Singapore Tourism Board kind of gave us a grant for it um, and then sales as well. So we have been kind of leveraging on that tree. Yeah. Um, I think now why we're looking at raising is to kind of be able to scale. So your question as to whether we'll ever give it free. Yeah. I mean, if, if we have enough money, then that scaling would be the, the crux of it, right? Yeah. So we are going down a more conservative path saying that we want to raise this amount of money, 600000 for mm. pre-money, $3 million, um, just to be able to get to this scale. Right. So but you have sales already, right? Yeah, we do have sales. Okay. So I think I think it's just to get us to the next level to, to validate the scalability of it, how replicable we can be. Um and I think that's what we wanted to prove, at least to go to series A. Mm. And once I mean, once we reach that kind of stage, whether we go to the different path, whether we build our own OTA, mm. that will be something that we will look into. Do you foresee yourself spending more time in Japan? I mean, as a as the founder, where mm. would you, I mean, things growing, raising the money. Yeah. Where are you going to be? So I'm currently split half-half. Yeah. And I'm actually going to be in Seoul right. in, uh, in two weeks' time. Yeah, so it's um one of the, the Ace kind of invited us to pitch at an investor event. Okay. So that will be one of our efforts as well to fundraise. And Seoul is a city that we have targeted. Mm. So um yeah, I've been splitting myself between a few countries. Um, but uh, because our company kind of works very well remotely, and so it kind of works very well in that. And I, I guess as a travel company, gonna be in right. multiple countries. You have to love travel. Yeah, and that needs to be it, right? <laughs> that right. needs to be kind of the if way. If you hate we work. travel, you're in the wrong place. Right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And how how was it with your experience in Japan? Mm-hmm. You know, how have you found that? Because it's not an easy market to For crack sure. from the outside. And many brands, multinationals have failed. Yep. I mean, obviously Vodafone, SoftBank is a great example, but mm-hmm. there have been plenty like that. You mm-hmm. know, how how is it for you sort of getting into Japan? I think we were very lucky to be able to get an investor, a Japanese investor mm. to help us get in. They are actually one of the big MNCs and they have helped us open up a lot of inroads. Um, sales is obviously tough so it takes a longer sales pro- like kind of um, lead time mm. um, they're a lot more traditional um, which is why we need a Japanese team I'm not sure if we actually need a Japanese team if we go to Vietnam or Bangkok no. so I think Japan itself is very specific in terms of the culture but it's also because of that that it is such a blue ocean for us yeah yeah. I think as well Japan has uh, even though it's quite traditional there's a, a very well established and very large market of small um, uh, re- retailers and mm. people in the hospitality space, so like mm. small hotels mm. who tend to be individual hotels, not part of a chain yep. boutique or you know, just like family hotel. hotels. Yeah, love <laughs> hotels. There's <laughs> yeah. plenty of that. I mean, you can see it in the retail market where there's you know, there's a lot of. It seems to be like very traditional part of Japan. Yes. Like there's that, you know, these are people who are not necessarily interested in owning chains of hotels. Yep. It's just a lifestyle thing for them. Mm. But these are very profitable businesses. And there's a lot of that as well. And they don't necessarily have the resources to go out and do this stuff themselves. So yep. that exists. So if you can crack that market, you know, yeah. they may be, you know, more traditional than Singapore in their yeah. approach. But, you know, with a local Japanese mm-hmm. point of presence, there's no reason why they shouldn't take on these services, right? So I think something that was really interesting for us, we found out, was that the tourism board, the Tokyo Tourism Board, um, they called it the Metropolitan Government, they actually put out a, a kind of, advisory that if you don't have this kind of requirements you cannot be listed as a Tokyo Olympic Games partner hotel right. 
Yeah. And one of the requirements was to be able to have uh, English-speaking staff to be able to serve English in 24 hours, 24-7. So what we're trying to do is to help them bridge that gap. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. That sometimes is a great motivator, fear of missing out, yes. as opposed to jumping on an opportunity, right? Yeah. So you've got to work with both. Very interesting. So, Ian, um, we have people who watch this show, listen to the podcast, who... Um, also are interested in startups that they can join. Mm. So tell us a little bit about you in terms of the recruitment at the moment. Who are you recruiting? What kind of people? What kind of attitude? What, you know, are you looking for specific hard skills? Mm. What markets are you looking at? So so we're always recruiting I mean, every startup. Yeah. So I think that's the most kind of active in job search in, in the market. Um, so I think it's always about the right fit, the right person, right? So I think it's about finding the right people that can work well together. Yeah. We work very remotely, very autonomously, very independently. Um, so accountability is huge. Um, we need to make sure that everybody is right on track, on the ball. The vision is the same. Um, those are really tough to justify. It's not really tangible. Mm. I think the more tangible ones are, are more in terms of skill sets. So in, in skill sets, so like developers, we use specific um, like PHP or um, Java for, for certain areas. Um, and I think those uh, my CTO will probably be best able to help answer those questions um, on the design space we are definitely don't really need a front end design we don't have UI UX per se but mm. we do have that for our platform so enterprise platform so we still need kind of that and conversational UI is the most interesting mm. so because that's kind of not so researched upon yet so conversational UI is tough in, in, in the space so somebody that is in even in literary arts uh, yeah. kind of relevant um, business and sales side is just hustling right it's always about hustling we always, always yeah. need yeah. hustlers so right? B2B I think if they have experience in travel that's right. perfect but um, yeah we, we kind of take in people that are hustlers and yeah. with no experience like yourself but with ex <laughs> you have the experience but yourself starting yeah, out but hustlers not, not even in the industry like travel yeah. industry per se right so I think that's something that we all kind of need to kind of gra a grasp upon yeah. hey, okay you mentioned that um, you know obviously hustlers designers mm. and the Tech the dev guys yeah. right and you mentioned, for example, like working autonomously, being accountable and so on. Mm. I mean, these are important things. I'm curious to know above that, you know, mm -hmm. what have they got to love to do? Because if somebody comes to you in a job interview, they're going to tell you everything you need to know and yep. they're going to, you know, polish up very well. <laughs> yeah, you know, I can work all right on my own. What, what are you looking for that they've done with their life? I mean, have they got to be passionate about travel? How do you see that? Have they got to be entrepreneurial? How mm. do you see that? You know, often it's the stuff that's not written mm. on the CV mm. or the resume that's of interest, mm. right? Is there a particular telltale signs that you're looking for? Mm, so I think we, even when I explain to people, we're not travel per se. We are actually hospitality driven more mm. than we are travel driven. So we're helping inbound travelers. So I think the, the, the one to serve, the one to help people travel better, I think that's one of the key areas. We do have people that have experience in like service stuff, like front desk yeah. or hotels. And those people actually bring in really great insights because they have been interacting with guests. They know the questions that come in every day. Um, I think obviously... Grit and determination is always a key. Um, but I think all this, I've really difficult to tell, I think. I mm. think it, it takes a bit of time. So we do get people uh, on and then we realize at a certain point in time that it might not be a good fit. Mm. And then we decide that, you know, it might it might be 
I, I think as a startup, we need to be a lot more kind of flexible. Yeah, and and the people you recruit have to know that as well. Yeah, yeah, they, exactly. they, you, you know, you take them on and you say, okay, let's try this out. Yeah, yeah, and and it, it does. I mean, people do say that it hurts morale and yeah. company morale, but I think people that know that they are staying kind of builds on that as well because yeah. you know that you know oh it's just a good fit and I'm I'm doing way better than than what others are coming in and going yeah so I I think higher fast fire fast is, is still one of the the kind of philosophies that we try to adopt mm. um but I think ultimately um it's just trying to find the right people obviously yeah. hr will come to be a big issue when we're a bit bigger right well you are <laughs> hr right now I, now now i'm everything so exactly, <laughs> exactly. and people go understand that as well I, I think back to um tony shea delivering uh, happiness from yeah. zappos when he was talking about how he recruits i mean there's many things that he talks yep. about recruitment um i like the fact that one of the most indicative signs of whether or not that person will fit in a service business mm -hmm. a very front-facing business like zappos was not necessarily what they said in the interview, but mm -hmm. what they said before the interview. And he would go to the taxi driver who picked up the candidate. So, yeah. you know, the candidate would get in the taxi yep. to take them to the Zappos HQ. And Tony Shea would go back to the taxi driver and say, so tell me, what were they like with you? You know, and if yeah. they were like rude or like, you know, offish yeah, yeah, with a taxi yeah. driver, then you know that that's how they really are, yep. you know, on, on a bad day, right? Yep. So in your sense, it's like, okay, you're talking about hospitality rather than travel, mm. right? Mm. You know, those front desk people, mm. they some of those people are amazing. You know, yep. even though they haven't sort of had startup experience or mm. tech experience, they're just really good with people and they have great insights. Those are the kind of people that you want on board, right? Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I, I think that's definitely some area that we definitely look out for. So I think the, the, the willingness to serve. Excellent. Yeah. Ian Lowe, everybody, founder of Travel. It's been delightful having you on Thank the you. show today. What would be the most effective way for anybody that's listening or watching to reach out to you? What's your preferred channel? Um, not sure if I'm going to give my personal number on the no, public okay. forum, but yeah, you can drop me an email, okay. uh, ian at travel.co.co. Um, we do have a hiring one, which is join us mm. at travel.co. Um, it's a very interesting process. It's fully automated. After all, we're in the automation business. Yeah. So if you drop us a mail, you come back with a mail, you fill up a form, we kind of select, pre-select a lot of stuff automatically. Um, hopefully you don't you don't realize it. That would be right. the best well, scenario. Well, you're giving away now. So. <laughs> yeah, so hopefully, you know, if you kind of give us that, that feedback on terms of experience, that would be great. Ian, thank but, you so much for today. Thank you. Thank you for having me.